Welcome to Pigskins and Pageantry, a podcast dedicated to all things SEC football. My name is Wes, and I'd like to invite you to join me, Jesse, and Matt each week as we discuss last week's games, news from around the league, the big games this weekend, and more. And what's up, everybody? It's Wes. And Matt, you have to wear that every week. No, those- I'm not. I'm not. Not. We'll, we'll talk about what's for. For those of you who can't see, who are listening via audio, Matt is now wearing a fedora as we uh, <laughs> as we get the show started here. But anyway, uh, week one is in the books. There were some blowouts. There were some close games and everything in between. And here to discuss it with me, as always, Jesse, what's going on? You know, I'm happy. Um, I, I bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slightly, like, surprised. We'll get into it. Um, and I have found a new hatred for um, rotten bananas that I never knew I would ever have. And here we are. They they make good banana bread. But, I, you know, that aside. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Matt, what's going on, my friend? Crikey, don't you know it's pit week? We're hunting panthers. Oh. All right, that's enough of that. I couldn't uh, no, okay. I, no, I'm not okay. wearing it. So we're not, we're not doing that. I think you need to do the hat and the accent for <laughs> no, every show. <laughs> no, no, I don't. People we are like, what does, what, doesn't need that. Why do you have this Australian guy on your show? I was like, wait, what just happened? Yeah, that was a little weird. I'm sorry. And why is he a Tennessee fan? Like, uh, why did that happen? I, I had, I had coffee today, so we're, that's, we're ready to go. That's it. That's awesome. All right. Well, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about those games from last week. Always remember, if you ain't first last that's right so uh kicking us off bowling green at tennessee um that was a tennessee victory 38 to 6 um i got the point in this one a lot of points up for grabs this week by the way with all the out of conference games (laughs) yeah yeah also for those who can't see matt has a slightly off shirt which he's compensating for on the camera which is very on brand very on brand for tennessee football it's (laughs) it's slightly askew slightly askew i love that i love that so anyway um you know you know i saw this game i saw the score i thought that um tennessee fans would be satisfied with that but i i'm thinking from what i've heard of from many tennessee fans is that they're not matt i want to go ahead and get your thoughts on this from a Tennessee fan standpoint, a lot of people didn't seem like they were happy with Milton's performance at quarterback. What are your thoughts, my friend? Let me go ahead and pre preface all of what I'm about to say with, I watched the game. Uh, I paid particular, cause I watched it after the fact, cause Wes and I were uh, out. We didn't get a chance to watch it live. So we were off doing stuff. So I watched it after the fact I don't know what everybody's complaining about. Okay. Did did Milton look a little rough in some spots? Absolutely. Did were his numbers not that great? Absolutely. Um, but I honestly don't know what everybody's complaining about. When you look at our our uh, our rushing line, uh, we had two running backs. Evans had 116 yards. Uh, Small had 116 yards. Uh, both of them on pretty good runs. Milton had 44 yards on the ground. We, we won by 32 points. Why are we complaining? I know it's Bowling Green. I know that Bowling Green's not good. Um, I was happy with this win. I thought we looked pretty good offensively. I thought defensively we looked pretty good too. Um, I'm excited for this offense. Um, I don't know if it's going to work 
as well against an SEC opponent. But to be completely frank with you, y'all need to chill out. I don't know what everybody's all up in arms about. What is Vol Twitter um, saying? We have to have a Vol Twitter update. Vol Twitter was all over this like a pack of dogs and a three-legged cat. Like they were ticked off. And I'm not sure why. Like maybe I'm just maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid, I reckon. I don't know what the story is, but I can tell you I watched 85%, 95% of the snaps in this game. I thought we looked pretty good. I I do have a couple of complaints um about um about Milton. There were a couple times when he held the ball too long. There were a couple of reads that he missed. I thought Joe Milton looked good overall. Um, yeah, granted, he had a bunch of incomplete passes. There were a couple bad reads. But I I, I thought the play looked good. Uh, we were running like a modified uh, run pass option. I thought it looked good. Uh, again, I don't know why everybody's whining. Do you think it could be just like the, the jadedness of the fan base that anything – somewhat resembling past years, anything other than just absolute decimation of your opponent is we won by 32 points. How, or I was gonna say, it should be the opposite, right? Like you should, many. this, this isn't me trying to be like passive aggressive or just blatantly aggressive, but you're, you won. Shouldn't that be exactly. like, a, yeah. that's a thing. Exactly. You won. And by a good yeah, margin. And, yeah. By and 32 by a good margin. Points. Had you, had you beat Bowling Green, like, 28 21 i'd be like yeah, i could see that Ooh, i could see that woof. um or if you looked like mississippi state mm. or vanderbilt then, don't forget about vanderbilt, or vanderbilt. Oh, we're getting there then you be, we're getting there then you'd be concerned right but i just i mean i guess it, i just don't understand why they're so mad <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I would assume it has something to because if you look at the team stats, we went seven for 15 on third down, which is yeah. kind of iffy. Yeah. Uh, 471 total yards offense, which for the conference was low, especially when you look at like the Auburn game and a couple others. We didn't get that many yeah. point, that many yards, but uh, it's still pretty good uh, in my book. 326 yards on the ground. Uh, I don't think that's anything to turn your nose up at. Um, we did it's not- a new offense. It's a new coach. It's- exactly. What do you what do you what, expect, people? What 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 it is is it is twenty years of frustration, mm-hmm. and people are just not willing to to give it time. Uh, now I, I can tell you when to. they when I when they hired Hypel, I was like, well, here we go again. And to be honest, I'm not sold on Hypel yet. But what I saw on, on Thursday night, I'm, I was content. I was happy. Yeah. I watched that game and I was like, okay, now we can move on to talk about Pitt. So let's see. You're going in the right direction, at least. Yeah. I mean, like, there's that's got to count for something. I, yeah, sure. Are they ranked 129 against 130 FBS teams? Yeah. But it would have been bad if you lost to them or they right. put up a really big fight against you. Um, the last thing I think you need as a fan base when you have a new coach, new offense, and you're trying to get something going is constant negativity that's not going to help the players that's not going to help the coaches it helps nobody um do better i heard uh i heard kirk herbstreet talking about today he was talking about um chip kelly out at ucla and we'll get to ucla and lsu later uh but just with chip kelly and the opportunity that he's had out there versus you know he could have gone either there or uh florida right i I believe that was the other job (laughs) that he could have landed yeah uh but If he had gone to Florida, the the time that he would have had to turn that program around is a lot less. I mean, let's face it, mm-hmm. yeah. UCLA, 
not saying people don't care, <laughs> but it's a lot less, right? Expectations it's, it's, in the it's, conference it's, are lower it, for turn. Did you see the stands for their home yeah. opener? They were, yeah. They were like, uh, so, I mean, that was a smart move is what it looks like it because he had the he has the opportunity to have and the time. And he gets to live in California, not Gainesville. Exactly. He has the opportunity to build the team the way that he wants with, you know, not near as much scrutiny as he would have down in Florida. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing, like, as that's a what coach coaches and, need. And, yeah. And as players, you already have the entire athletic department, the athletic director, the boosters. Can you imagine having to deal with boosters at an SEC school? No, thank you. Mm -hmm. And then you have fans that when you win 47 to 13, are still unhappy. What more did you want? Right. Yeah. And this is coming from a Bama fan that hopes Tennessee loses every game. <laughs> wow. Well, wow. Um, so I wow. mean, can you imagine if uh, if the Tennessee fan base afforded even just one of these coaches, which I guess they have with some of them. I'm not saying they haven't given their coaches a chance across the board. Some of them they have, not all of them. But can you imagine if instead of the reactions that we saw on Vol Twitter, you had a reaction similar to UCLA. I'm not saying that the, you know, the Vol fans should care less. Certainly not saying that, but give the guy some time. I right. Agree. I agree. So yeah. everybody just Take calm time. down, relax. Right. The words of Aaron Rodgers, R E L A X. <laughs> relax. Yeah, Speaking of relax, let's go to UL Monroe at Kentucky. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, where Kentucky won 45 to 10. I got the point in this one um, as well. But uh, man, I, okay, we're going to get to the banana. Okay. But the first thing that I noticed was my gosh, uh, Levis out there just throwing darts at QB. Granted, UL Monroe. I understand. I get it. But hey, we're talking about a Kentucky team that has struggled to throw the ball period in recent mm -hmm. years. And granted, you know, we've had a few breakthroughs here and there, and you, you've had your, your, your Len Bowden performances. Occasionally you've had your uh, Terry Wilson performances occasionally, but on the whole, you haven't had, uh, you know, an incredible passing performance and man, mm -hmm. was this ever it. Uh, he finished with uh, 18 for 26, 367 yards, four touchdowns and one pick. Um, so big questions on offense coming into this season. It looks like at least for now, we've got a pretty big answer uh, for that. Obviously it's not just him. He's got uh, a host of receivers and, and uh, uh, veteran O-line and running backs coming back, things like that. So it's, you know, all the pieces have to be there, but, but man, they looked great uh, on Saturday. Um, so Jesse, let's start with you this time. Your yeah. thoughts on the Kentucky game. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point, right? You have these, I think both of the stars of this game were both transfers, you know, mm -hmm. where you have these two guys that come in. You you mentioned Levis, who threw for 367 yards, four touchdowns in his debut. And then you have um, Wandale Robinson, got five mm -hmm. passes for 125 yards and two touchdowns in his first game since transferring from Nebraska. So mm -hmm. these two guys coming into a brand new program, um, really taking the stage. And I thought they did a great job. Again, yes, we're looking at the opponent and understand. But also, again, it's it's something nice. It's something optimistic to look at. Um, you have a lot of good guys out there that are catching. They're, you know, they're making good catches. 
Um, they're getting yardage. So I think, you know, they were ranking last in the SEC in passing yards in three consecutive seasons. So I think Coach Stoops is starting to make some positive um, steps towards getting that pass offense going, which is, is going to be huge for them, especially since the past, you know, last season we had all this wild stuff at QB. So maybe he really has found his man um, in Levis. But um, I also think, you know, they have hired someone else at uh, – at offensive coordinator, that's helped too. But, and anybody that watched this game understands what I'm about to say, and what I mentioned earlier. At no point in any broadcast, I don't care what it is, at any broadcast, should you eat horizontally a rotten I, banana with the peel on? I Ever. Not. I, so, I, I watched the clip and I don't know what bothered me more the fact that she ate a brown banana with the peel on or the fact that she ate it horizontally I'm not sure which one bothered me more <laughs> wait so like like she held it not like like this like this and then bit She's into it like that bit into the side of it not the end like you would expect right she didn't peel it off and okay well, yeah. So the quarterback was on, I guess, TikTok or something, and he had eaten. He showed a TikTok of him eating a banana with the brown the peel banana on brown banana from like the bottom. So he's eating stem and all. Like this man is going for it. Why? I don't know. I'm not a TikToker. I he says know. it reminds him of banana bread. The uh, that's the, the eat banana bread. Will you you have? <laughs> Why do you a, put that on the internet? Have you not figured out I we're not supposed to put everything on the internet? It's the kids in her TikTok. I don't know, but so. This reporter, and I don't know who decided this was a good segment idea or who was bored during the game. You know the game's out of hand when. (laughs) Right, but even at the Bama game, no reporter is on the sideline eating (laughs) anything. Nonetheless, a rotten banana, and not only for one segment, but at least three. Then the next round of segments that they do is them eating pie. The booth and her on the sidelines eating pie to one point, they're like, what kind of pie do you have? And she's like, I have uh, chocolate and peanut butter. And they're like, oh, that's yummy. And she's like, I had key lime, but the ants got to it on the sideline. So this, I was done. This is going from, from a TV broadcast to a uh, Saturday afternoon picnic, basically. What, what's, <laughs> what, SEC what Network. Was it SEC Network on this? SEC Network. Yeah, yeah, it was. Get Taste of the Town. Everybody loves a good <sighs> taste of the town. We yeah. are not here for banana pie hour uh, like during the like football game. Everything you've described sounds like Channel 6 out of Opelika. Like it's local <laughs> high school game. <laughs> just, just, let's go down to Jim Bob. Jim Bob, what's going on? I'm going to eat this nanner. It's just like, yeah. wow. my parents' hometown news station in Southeast Alabama has better content. <laughs> Goodness gracious. And that is saying a lot. I have criticized them a lot. And did you see, was but, it after the game they were trying to get uh, Stoops to eat it? They were trying to get him to eat a banana? I, I Honestly, <laughs> after the pie segments, I turned off the game. I could not so, be subjected to that anymore. So this is going to be all year, huh? Probably. Awesome. Well, they said, too, they're like, we're coming back here when Missouri plays. We can't wait. Same crew. And I'm like, great. Are we going to eat ribs? Like, what are we doing? I, wow. I, I don't know. It was disturbing and, and on all counts, really. Hey, uh, yeah. Wes, uh, a couple uh, to kind of bring us back to the game. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I digress. Couple, I digress. A couple things. I was looking at the team stats. I didn't have a chance to watch this game, but I, I saw I was looking at the team stats this afternoon. And um, the numbers that kind of pop out at me are this. 
uh, 87 total yards offense for ULM. So Kentucky's defense did their job. Um, uh, if you only give up a hunt less than 100 yards through four quarters, it's pretty good. Um, really the good. other number that popped off the page, it's really good, is the other number that popped off the page at me was 12.7 yards per pass. So every time they threw the ball and completed it, it was a first down. Again, yep. it's U- ULM. But again, this is a Kentucky team that historically has not been a pass-heavy team. Um, and then the other thing that kind of makes me a little concernicus going forward uh, with uh, Kentucky is, is they had seven penalties in this game, which yeah. seems a bit excessive, a bit excessive. Seven like the whole yards. SEC apparently this weekend. And 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 three turnovers to ULM's defense. So a couple things there, Wildcat fans. You may want to temper your expectations a bit because if they're playing that kind of – if they're playing that way mm, – yeah, they're definitely definitely going to have to tighten it up before a uh, stronger Completely opponent. Agree. But hey, like we said, taking taking the small victories, right? So yes, absolutely. Um, let's get to Rice at Arkansas. That was uh, thirty-eight to seventeen, Arkansas victory. Um, although this one wasn't like a blowout, runaway, whatever you want to call it, um, like I thought it was going to be. Now they got off to a fast start. I think uh, KJ Jefferson ran for a touchdown, I believe, at the beginning of the game. But then they sort of got bogged down. Uh, they even trailed uh, 10 to 7 at half. Yes. Uh, but then obviously rallied to win 38 17. Um, I don't know. Um, I really don't know what to make of that. Obviously, credit to them for sticking with it and, you know, not giving up and coming back and all the cliches, whatever you want, whatever you're looking for as a coach in your team's spirit. But Matt, are, should we be concerned that it took that much effort or just satisfied that they didn't give up? If you're Sam Pittman. Uh, I, well, yes, sir. Um, the thing <laughs> is, is that uh, I love doing that. It's literally one of the best parts of this job. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't be concerned quite yet. I mean, granted, it's early season. This is a Rice team that I think is, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but last season, I don't recall them doing anything great. They didn't set the world on fire. I don't remember t- hearing much about them. Um, I, I don't think Arkansas has a reason to be concerned uh, quite yet. Uh, Pittman obviously got them rallied in the second half. I mean, they went into halftime down 10-7. So they came back, they they stormed back, they scored 31 points. Yeah, 31 points in the second half. So they turned it on. Um, but again, and again, I'm just looking at team stats, looking at these box scores. Another thing that pops off the page, 13 penalties for 117 yards for Arkansas. That's a lot. Um it, they got to get, they got to clean that up just like Kentucky does. Kentucky has to clean up their, their penalties. Arkansas is going to have to do the same. And granted they were able to get away with it. Cause it's rice. I mean, it's yeah. a school named after food stuff. Um, they, they, you're not gonna be able to get away with that against Auburn and Alabama and, and Texas A&M. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So an interesting part about this uh, week of the season for a lot of the games is that, yeah, cool to see the teams play, but we really don't have an idea of where they stand, you know. Uh, it's not like last year where we had them yeah. playing only. Right, the all-SEC we schedule. Knew, we knew week one who was going to be good and who wasn't. Right, for the most part, yeah. Jesse, uh, same question for you. Should we be concerned about this or just, like, you know, proud of them that they didn't give up? I mean, I think you just have to be concerned from a discipline side of things. It's like Matt said, those penalties, those are just, to me, that's just careless and you're not you're not paying as much attention. I know it's the first game of the season. It's the first time a lot of these guys are out there shaking off the dust, 
you're seeing out of conference opponents, you know, you're getting to travel a little bit more, all of that. It's, it's more back to the real world, but you can't have penalties like that. You can't do turnovers. You've got to shape up. And unfortunately, um, they only looked like an SEC team in the second half. And that's great. But when you play SEC opponents, you have to be an SEC team throughout all four quarters. You can't have any lag like that. So to me, I think, you know, Coach Pittman's really got to work on discipline this week and got to get his guys in shape and get them thinking seriously. I don't know if it was something where they were like, oh, we're playing Rice. It's not a big deal. If that is the case, then they need to have a little bit of an attitude adjustment. Um because that's not, and that's not even going to work against Texas next week. You know, they've oh, not yeah. SEC yet, but that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Matt said, they had tons of penalties. They, like many other SEC teams, struggled with targeting. Um, they lost their starting linebackers to targeting calls. You can't do that. That That's going to kill your defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would just say for Coach Pittman, work on some fundamentals and some discipline in practice because that's where the biggest concerns were for this game. For sure. And I also, I also just looked it up because I was curious. Uh, Arcan- or Arkansas, excuse me. Rice went two and three last season because they only played five games. And the oh season before that, they went three and nine. So this Ooh. is not a – I hate to talk bad about an out-of-conference opponent, but this is not what I would call a quality football program. Right. So, yeah. Well, um, one, one thing to note, we have an interesting comment about Arkansas in the fan feedback section that I'm curious Ooh. to get to. So uh, yeah. let's get to the next game, which was Alabama versus Miami, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Um, yeah, it turned out to be a snooze fest. Bama 44 to 13. I didn't. Well, yeah. If, if for anybody not fan. wearing crimson. Yeah. For it, yeah. But, uh, I, you know – I, I, I don't know. I, I know they had to hype this game, right? That like you got to do that for yeah. ratings. But I, I had a feeling, and I think a lot of us did, that this was going to be lopsided. Look, if this was Miami twenty years ago, maybe. Uh, but they're they're just not there yet, and there's a lot of there's a lot of focus on self. It seemed from the Miami sidelines um, to the point where even when they were doing some good stuff, even when they were down by like twenty or more. Uh, they're over there like celebrating and people are like, dude, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, An interesting culture. Yeah. I just think, I just think they're, they're not there yet. Right. I mean, sure. The attitude's there, but the, the, the skills not quite leveling or matching up to it right now. So uh, to me, you know, positive though, Miami's punter got a lot of opportunities to hone his skills. Their with, punter with is hilarious. Oh yeah. He is a, a grown man. Yeah. 26 years. Here's the thing. So I see this man come on the field and I'm like, that man has just come out of the penal league. There's no way he hasn't. (laughs) And I I have tattoos. Like I'm not judging him for having full tattoos, but this man is huge for a punter. Uh He's like, he's well over six foot, like 200 and something pounds. He has neck tattoos all over his body from here down. It's amazing. Mustache, all of it. Look him up. He is 26 years old, 26, 27. Yeah. And he came from Australia. He played professional like Australian football out there and then came over to the United States, played at like one or two colleges. And then I guess last season or something committed to Miami and his commitment photo went viral because this is a grown 
man. And I had to like do a deep dive on him during halftime because I was so stunned by who walked on the field. Was, Look him up if you haven't. Was that a he's, Austra- he's his name's Lou Headley. He's yes. from Mandura, Australia. He's six foot four, two hundred twenty-five pounds. So he's a no punter. little boy. He's We're a man. The he's a grown man. Not messing with that really, punter. If you got bored, you could put him at probably linebacker and call it a day. Yeah, Although absolutely. He they, the way things went, they probably should have. <laughs> oh my gosh, it you couldn't was- have done any worse. Wild. So, Sorry, so, I had to get off on that. I was no, go so ahead. amazed by him. Yeah, well, go ahead. Rest of the game. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, obviously, um, I assume you're satisfied with the results. So. <laughs> um, I agree. I think this game was well touted because of the history of the fan base of Miami. It's a big fan base. There's a great history of that program, um, a very televised history of the program. But they're not there right now. But you have that historic name up against Bama, who right now everybody wants to beat. So I get it. It, it makes for good ratings. I understand it. Um, but I, I would say nobody thought that it was going to be a close game. So I was very anxious to see how um, Bryce Young did because he had not started a game all last season. He was behind Mac Jones. He was touted as this sort of dual threat quarterback. Everyone was comparing him to a more of a Jalen Hurts, not necessarily a Mac Jones or a Tua Tagovailoa, And I think we saw a very different Bryce Young than we thought we were going to see. Amazing. But he made it clear that while he may be a dual threat guy, he can launch that ball. Um, He completed 27 of his 38 passes for 344 yards, four touchdowns and no interceptions in his first start for the Crimson Tide. Um, His four touchdown performance breaks the mark set by Joe Namath in Mac Jones um, for the most touchdown passes in a debut by an Alabama starting quarterback. That is a huge statistic. That's huge. Um, I think he showed right out of the gate that he's going to be a passing quarterback. He still may be able to kind of scramble and run, but he wants to make sure everybody knows that he can, he can sling that pigskin. So I thought that was amazing. Um, Linebackers Will Anderson and Christian Harris were incredible in this game and truly went for the Miami quarterback. They had his number. Um, I thought we were, I thought we did a great job. I, I was really pleased with the performance. Um, I think the, you know, the score kind of says it all. And um, I'm really anxious to see how this team does going forward. And um, yeah, I'm just really happy. So the thought coming into this year is that Bama's defense is probably going to be better, one of the best in the nation, uh, but that their offense is going to take a bit of a step back, even if it was just a little bit. Uh, but this doesn't seem to be the case at all. You know, granted, no. Miami may be overrated and it may not be a great test. But, um, you know, from from this through this lens of this game, they don't appear to have lost a step at all. So Nick Saban, and of course, I'm, I'm going to like brag on him, but I, I truly feel like anybody could look at the program and, and understand this. While we may lose a lot of people in the draft, we have the talent in, you know, in the depth to put them in. He's constantly looking forward because he knows his players are going to get drafted. He knows that he's got to be able to step right. Someone's got to step right into that role and just keep on moving. And I think he does a really good job of looking forward and not saying like, I've got my two guys, we're good. Mm -hmm. And then those two guys decide to leave. And then all of a sudden a program crumbles. Um, I think he does a really good job of building a solid program across 
the board instead of just relying on, you know, an ace or two. Right. Matt, your thoughts on this one? I mean, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. Um, Miami obviously is not the Miami of 2000, 2001, 2002. We're not even close to that anymore. Um, This is a power that has been very much so diminished within the last 10 to 15 years. So I'm not shocked by this score at all um, in the least. In fact, I'm a little surprised it wasn't more out of hand than it was. I think Nick Saban said something about – was made a comment in the post in the post game presser about uh, a lack of aggressiveness or a lack of focus or some other little thing. It, it was, it was harkened back to his don't drink the rat poison stuff. Yep. He said back in 2017. So I think, I, I, I think this score could have been more out of hand. Um, yeah. but we played three quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Bama's going to Bama. And this is an example of Bama, 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 um, and here's the kicker is, is I think Bryce Young's already putting his, his name in the ring for potentially Heisman. I mean, right putting up those kind of numbers right off the bat, throw for 300, 344 yards and four touchdowns. Um, and then I just, I have a hard time imagining Bama's not going to be able to do this to Miami team. So well, nothing, it, nothing shocking there. And one thing about, you know, a team like Bama and even some other top tier teams is that when you have good players and the talent that they have, uh, when you're Bryce Young going against the defense, your uh, first team defense in practice, you're going against one of the best defenses in the country. And granted, they're not, you know, right. hitting him and stuff, but it's great practice. Um, and to the point where, and a lot, you know, a lot of times in a game, it may feel, wow, this is kind of easy. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it might not be that simple, but you know what I mean? It's, it, it's going to be, it's obviously prepared him for that. Um, yep. So. I think that's part of what we're seeing too. You know, good defense kind of breeds a good offense to a, to a certain extent. By the, by the way, kudos to Will Reichard, the kicker at Bama, for going three for three. Uh, yeah. Longest was, was a 51 yarder. So, yeah. special teams is back on the menu at Alabama. A couple alumni earlier this evening, and we were talking about kicking, and we were like, we might have a kicker. <laughs> it's right. sad that we didn't even talk about the quarterback. We're like, we might have a kicker. That's right. All right. Well, um, let's get to Louisiana Tech at uh, Mississippi State. This one was wild. And uh, right down to the finish, Mississippi State did win 35 to 34. Jesse getting the point in this one. But man, Mississippi State turned the ball over four times, uh, committed 12 penalties for 95 yards. And uh, they just seemed like confused in general. Um, and I, I wanted to grab a sound clip from Mike Leach and I actually didn't get around to it, but basically he was saying, um, by the end of the game, he's like, well, we've, we've tried every method possible other than the way that's going to win. So let's just try that one. And so, so basically, you he know, to, like, to oh, we're going to, keep going. Leach. we're going to, they don't have study hall or anything. So we're just, I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I. Uh, saw a little bit of that interview and it's just you know what you would expect you know it's kind of typical I, I don't know what he's saying but it's funny so <laughs> uh, but that was the biggest comeback in Mississippi State football history 20 points they were down 34 to 14 at one point to uh, La Tech and I was sitting there on my couch and I was like uh, what <laughs> this is this is not good uh, but uh, but they uh Again, to their credit, they didn't give up. You know, it's it's it counts as a win, right? 
um, no matter what the scoreboard was. And, who, you know, who knows, maybe they can find something in the next few games. But, man, if they look as disorganized as they did this last game, it's going to be a very long season uh, yet again for Mike Leach and Mississippi State. So, uh, Matt, I want to start with you this time. Uh, your thoughts on Mississippi State's uh, narrow victory over La Tech. Well, I'm, I'm looking back just to kind of get a, a grasp on how Louisiana Tech it, Louisiana Tech went five and four last year. Um, the year before they went 10 and three. So this isn't an awful uh, right. out of conference opponent. Um, sheesh, four turnovers to Louisiana Tech's defense and then that amount of penalties. And like you said, they definitely looked confused and dazed and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Starkville. Um, I need to talk to uh, my coworker. She's a big Mississippi State alum and get get an idea what she feels about this because I'd imagine she probably didn't have nice things to say about Mike Leach on Saturday night. Um, but again, wh- where's I, f- I feel bad for Mike because we had these high expectations for him and, and it feels like he can't break out of the bubble. It's like he's stuck. And I just – I'm worried about how the rest of the season is going to go for them because – I mean, Mississippi State's schedule is, if I remember from last week, and I'm pulling it up right now, they don't have the easiest schedule on the planet. They got to go to Bama, to, uh, no, they get Bama at home. They got to go to uh, A&M. They got to go to Arkansas, to Auburn. It's, mm. it's a West schedule. It's I mean, let's just, let's mm-hmm. call yeah, it's it a West it's, schedule. It's going to be tough. I just, I just. Well, don't. even when Bama travels there, Starkville's an hour away. It's going to be lots of Bama people there. Right. Uh, I'm not mm, makes me worried. Yeah. Jesse, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I just, I thought there would be a little glimmer of, of hope, you know, going into this game. I'm like, all right, he's got a season under his belt. He's got some recruits that are his. Um, there was a lot of people that transferred. So maybe their inner turmoil in the locker room is gone, but this is this is not a disciplined program with that many turnovers, with that many penalties. Like, honey, what is y'all doing? You can't do that. Um, and this isn't – it's like Matt said, their schedule doesn't get easier. This right. is – to me, this is beyond first game jitters and and trying to get the mechanics down. And I don't know what's, what's happening, but I get worried – because this is the SEC and people are not patient with coaches that coach Leach is going to have to start turning things around real fast. Yeah. It does seem to point to a more uh, fundamental problem than, yep. than anything. So Some, something else we, we probably want to mention just so we're, you know, for giving both sides of the argument here, we give equal time here at pigskins and pageantry. Um, so Mississippi state's quarterback, Will Rogers, which is that really his name? Will Rogers, uh, Will Rogers, yeah. went 30, 39 for 47. It's just Will Rogers, you know, like the humorous from the fifties. It's just yeah, it's yeah. funny. Uh, went 39 for 47 for 370 yards and three TDs. So those numbers are not awful. Now he threw a bad pick, but those fumbles, it's just ugh, three fumbles by your running backs or wide receivers. It's just not that, that strike that smacks of not disciplined. And I think Jesse's yeah. on the nose there. And they need the, but the thing is, is those things can be fixed. Um, yeah. You know, those are definitely things that can be fixed, but man, they've got to do something quick. Yeah. You shouldn't have to have a either. historic comeback against no. Louisiana Tech. No. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of things that need to be fixed, uh, Central Michigan at Mizzou. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. I don't even know. But uh, this game, again, not exactly the performance that I would have expected from Mizzou. They did win 34-24. I got the point. And don't get me wrong. Obviously, you know, good to see them uh, get a victory. But, man, they gave up a lot. I mean, uh, CMU got 475 total yards. 27 first downs. I mean, to me, this is like a, a Mizzou team that used to be – Mizzou defense that used to be known for, you know, mm-hmm. being a, a staunch defense, not giving up many yards. Um, and I wonder – you know, I can't help but wonder if it's, uh, you know, Barry Odom, you know, because back mm-hmm. in the day uh, when, when we uh, when we saw him there, they had a great defense. And then when he went to uh, Arkansas – uh, that defense improved greatly under his leadership. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see. Now, granted, Mizzou uh, defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes, he, he spent 14 seasons in the NFL. So I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing by any means. But, I mean, you can't, can't argue with what you've seen so far. Um, and Odom seemed like he had them rolling, and now they're not. So, you know, maybe it's just a different system. Maybe it's different things that they're learning. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, you can't give up those kind of – uh, numbers against a non-conference opponent like uh, was it central central Michigan yeah and the directional school and expect to be able to hang against your SEC opponents Jesse what do you think I'm the total yards is bananas you know like central Michigan had more total yards in offense than Mizzou did they had more first downs and that's with two turnovers they had two turnovers mm-hmm. and they were still able to do that now granted obviously they didn't win but they were still able to put up 24 points um, with two turnovers. And I just wonder, had they cleaned up their act a little bit and they not had those two turnovers, could this have been a different ball game? Um, Potentially so, but again, directional school, why are you, what are you doing? I, I guess I just struggle. I'm and granted there was no turnovers for uh, Mizzou here, but I just have to wonder if everybody didn't think that, I have a directional school or I have, you know, Louisiana tech or I have whatever rice. It's fine. And we, we drank the rat poison. We didn't think it was a big deal. And then we realized, Oh, maybe we should go play some football. I don't know. I just, it's not what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that definitely can happen. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Uh, one thing really sticks out to me here is Lou Nichols lead rusher for central Michigan had 19 carries for 135 yards. He averaged almost eight yards a carry. That's an out-of-conference running back from a directional school that averaged almost eight yards a carry. What's going to happen when they play Auburn and when they play Alabama, when they play Georgia? I was about to say Tennessee, but we'll see how that goes. Um, So, oh, that's going to be a big red flag when your defense is giving up those kind of of yards to it. and again, I hate to be disrespectful to Central Michigan, but nobody from their schools listening to this podcast. <laughs> and if you are, and, hello, and, and hello, hey. hi. I promise I'm not burying your Welcome. team, but you're not. You don't even go here. Um, <laughs> to quote Danny Jordan, uh, oh so Regina George. The the this wrestling movies. We're getting there. Um, I just. Uh, that's not disconcerting to say the least. Uh, Coach Drinky needs to uh, bolster that defense a little bit because they're going to need help. They're going to need a lot of help. 
They also had more time of possession than the zoo did as well. Yeah. Not that's not that's any of the things problem. that you want to see. You got to be able to control the pace of the football game. That's the way it works in the modern football. But by the way, uh, Connor Bazelak only went 21 for 32. Uh, you got a QB rating of 59 Ugh. against an out of conference opponent. Yeah. That ain't it, Chief. That is yeah. not it. That's not going to get you a Heisman. No. Yeah. Not, not with, which is disappointing because with it, we didn't we expect big things out of him this year after last year? That's he supposed to. Yeah, they said unblazing last year. Oh, yeah. They expected him. They uh, quote unquote said uh, he would be a household name by the end of the season. Now, not not with those numbers, he ain't going to be. And they weren't saying that Mizzou's going to, you know, blow everybody out of the water this season. They just meant that he as a player is going to. And yeah, I, yeah, that's, it was a rough opener against a directional school. So, um, Let's get to Akron and Auburn. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one. It's a blow, <laughs> blowout that I think we all expected. Uh, you know, Har- Harzen got him a, a first uh, a first win, uh, an easy one at that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just look at the lopsided stats. Auburn with 612 yards to Akron's 188. Uh, 26 uh, first downs to Akron's 12. I mean, it's just – it, they did Akron got paid good money to do that. Good for them. <laughs> exactly. They did what they should have done. Uh, Matt, do you have any thoughts on this one? Negative three yards total rushing for the zips. Negative three. I feel like I'm looking at a, at like NCAA 2011. Right. You know, negative three rushing stats. So I just, boy, it did, Auburn defense came to play. Yeah. Oh, shout out. Shout out, by the way, to a former House of County High School uh football player um wesley steiner who was voted auburn's uh, special teams player of the week so, oh yeah kudos to you wes yeah also former mossy creek gator there you go jesse you got any thoughts on this one i mean you know i this is silly good for akron they came they got paid i'm proud for them um and then i'm still I, i'm not gonna count this as like bo nix is back i need to see a real opponent first how dare you how dare you bo nix has finally got his feet under him and you immediately want to go i'm not i'm not sold yet how dare you the disrespect the audacity the gall any questions yes first of all how dare you yes Uh, kudos auburn good oregon yeah yeah, that's right all right, moving on to eastern illinois at south carolina uh south carolina directional school Winning this one. And is that right? Did I typo this? Was that the actual score? My gosh, 46 to zero. Um, Jesse got the point here um, on this one. And what a story, right? Zeb Noland. So cool. Who who three weeks ago was helping write the playbook on the bench (laughs) in the the, uh, video room, et cetera, et cetera. Now on the field, uh, throwing for four touchdowns, uh, you know, granted against Eastern Illinois. But hey, I mean, what a story, nonetheless. He's, he stepped in and, uh, and did a great job. So, um, and then what a defensive shutout, right? I mean, South Carolina, you know, stepping in. And then also, well, hold on. I, I, I'm going to talk special teams, but I want to save that for a little bit later because we did have a fan comment on uh, South Carolina's special teams. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, so for this defense, Clayton White, defensive coordinator, he spent the last four seasons as uh, D.C. and cornerbacks coach at Western Kentucky. So 
uh, you know, getting his chance uh, with Beamer at, uh, at South Carolina. And what a great performance in their first game. And then obviously Nolan with four touchdowns. Uh, Jesse, you want to start with you this time. What are your thoughts on, on this game? I love the story. I think it's just so great, right? Like reading that, um, truly like that Cinderella moment where your dreams are not over yet. And then you get to go in and play. And yes, it's a directional school and they absolutely should win as an SEC program. But this is an SEC program that has been bad. I think we can say that. It's been very bad. Um, and to come in and, and to be the guy that you're like, oh, I coach, but now I play. And you're able to put up some numbers like that. I think that's great. Um, a little positivity going towards the Gamecocks. It's what they needed desperately. Um, a change of pace in this program. So I hope it it trends up for them um, and they're able to put up a performance like this against some in-conference opponents. Yeah. And here's the deal, though. Luke Doty is expected to be, to be available yes. on Saturday, and Beamer has not announced the starter yet, last I saw. So, Matt, does he have a decision here? Is Doty going to come in, or after this performance, should, we, should he consider Nolan? Uh, I, I would imagine that would probably be, again, we always want to make the conjecture of we know who, who he should start, but we also don't see these kids every week in practice. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look. South Carolina's playing East Carolina this next week. Mm, I, I don't know. I, I would probably trot out the kid that got you the win last week just to see how he does, and then maybe on the next if drive. They, drive if they don't out. start him, does he wear his coach's outfit? Or does he Great stand question. on the sideline Great as question. a player? <laughs> no, I have no idea. I just don't know how that works. No does he go By in at way, like halftime and change clothes? What is right. It? I mean, it's possible. It's definitely What are the possible. rules? No idea, <laughs> to be uh, honest I, with I, you. I think Beamer has to go with who brought him to the dance, and I, I think I think he's, he's got to stick with him. By the way, Jordan Vincent was the leading tackler for Eastern uh, Eastern Michigan. Oh, man, it's been a day. Eastern <laughs> Illinois, he had nine total tackles. Get, guess what position he plays? Please say, like, punter. Safety. Safety. When your safety's making all your tackles, mm, that's a oh, bad. Oh, yeah. Bad. Yeah. That's bad, Juju. Mm. Ah, as, as an ex-middle school football coach, I can tell you, when your safety's making all your tackles, things have gone awry. The dream went off the rails somewhere. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. They still got play, paid to play. Good for them. Oh, That's yeah, true. they got paid. They're good. They're, they're going to buy a new wing on their basketball stadium or something, I'm sure. Good for them. I don't so, even know where Eastern Illinois is. And, you know, something that I forgot about, uh, talking about getting paid, I forgot. I mean, I knew, but I wasn't thinking about it, that a lot of these players are getting paid now. Bryce Young is out there. He's a multimillionaire now um, already. And, uh, I mean, it's yep. all because of the NIL. So yeah, that's true. Coach Saban said, we don't talk about that. What you do outside of the team is, <laughs> is your business, but we don't talk about that. Right. Um, I think I can't remember who it was. If it was might have Michigan, I might no Michigan state. I think it was Michigan state. All of their athletic department just signed with somebody and all of the athletes are getting paid for something. I, oh, they wow. announced that today. I'd have Good to look them. and see, but it was on two, four, seven sports. What a, uh, man, that's awesome. Random. Yeah, good, good for them, man. That's awesome. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get to Georgia versus Clemson and the Duke's Mayo Classic 
and if you saw the Duke's Mayo signs all over the field and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, but, but I we, did see the big white boy rub mayonnaise all over his body during game day. So. Oh, did yes. You see the, right. No, did you see the guy in the stands oh. eating a gallon jug of Duke's mayonnaise with a spoon? No, didn't see that. Kind of glad I didn't. There, there, listen. <laughs> There are reasons other countries on this planet make fun of us, and that is exhibit A. <laughs> I love it. It is quite we, literally Duke is the only mayo you should use. And no, we are not sponsored, I've, but I would I've, gladly take it. I've never it. had it. I've never had it. I've only had Hellman's. I would gladly take a Duke's only ever in your entire life. I don't remember ever having a sandwich with Dukes on it. Ever. Wow. You would know. You would know. It's just different. It but can't be that much better. As someone in marketing and that has been like worked for brands that have been title sponsors for games, they got every bit of that of that money. And I commend them for that. Everything was wrapped. The LED boards were all dupes. The field had three logos on it. I saw that. They got their money. I was proud for them. They were like, you know what? We're going to go for the first year. We're going for it. And yeah. and you know who sponsored that game. Yeah, I mean, there was no doubt in anybody's yeah. mind. Um, Favorite uh, part. This, this game was uh, bad if you like offense, great if you love defense. Um, mm. The final score, Georgia winning 10 to 3. Um, the only touchdown being a pick six, uh, by the way, by uh, Christopher Smith. Uh, obviously, both defenses dominant. Georgia's, you know, a little bit – more now you know i'm a little frustrated obviously that we didn't score more points however i have to sit back and think well clemson's defense is pretty dang good too um Mm -hmm. and you know i'm missing a few weapons on offense obviously pickens was out we expected that but we had a few others we had uh washington um who was (laughs) out uh dominic blaylock um Kyrus Jackson, who was a big part of the offense last year, um, only involved in like returning punts and stuff. So there's a lot of pieces missing now. You know, thankfully we have a a good uh, group of running backs to kind of fall back on. Um, And Clemson was not going to give up the deep ball either. They were keeping everything in Mm -hmm. front of them. And we did some dink and dunk and that moved us down the field somewhat, but we weren't ever really able to get anything going. But man, Georgia's defense – 180 total yards given up, two rushing yards on the day allowed. Of course, a lot of that's because of sacks, of course, but at seven total sacks, I mean, a lot. I'm pretty dang satisfied. So watching that game, the, the main takeaway for me is that our defense is going to keep us in a lot of games. Even if the offense just mm-hmm. sucks, we should at least be hanging around to where if we can get a few things sparked on offense, we'll be okay. Um, and then obviously the offense is only going to get better as, as people uh, return. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was just a slugfest. Um, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd hate to be those, uh, those trainers um, after the game because I feel like both teams just got beat up um, and probably not doing very well uh, the following day. Uh, final thought from me on this one is kind of a cool story with walk-on safety Dan Jackson, who uh, is uh, playing in the dime package as safety uh, and playing quite well. I mean, he even almost made a pick last night. And obviously, as the score indicates, uh, they didn't uh, exploit him too much over the top either. So uh, good on the guy. Um, I think Kirby uh, said we knew that he was going to have a uh, positive impact. We just didn't know he was going to so quickly. 
So, uh, so uh, good, good for Dan Jackson there. So, um, who's first this time? I forgot. Mm, Matt, Jesse, go. She, okay, Jesse, fine, I'll go first. Uh, Whoever, uh, somebody, uh, take it. <laughs> hey, we want to rush in before it. We'll, we'll do okay. the to one. It's one, two, three, shoot. Okay. Okay. We're super professional here on Pigs. <laughs> we <Pigs>. are. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. One, two, three. Are you going to do it or not? Am I lagging? Did oh, you do, there's, there's a there's a delay. Just go ahead, Jesse. Did you okay. do rock? <laughs> I did paper. Um, okay. I'm gonna go. Ladies first. Um this one reminded me of the Super Bowl against the Patriots and the Rams. A lot. Okay. Yeah. A the lot. Super Bowl. Great when you love defense. Fantastic. If you are an offense person, you were bored to tears. <laughs> Um, it was a slugfest and, um, my boyfriend's a, a Georgia fan and he would like get up and go to the kitchen. He's like, what I miss? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> Fine. I'm like nothing's happening. Nothing. So, but I, I wonder, cause everyone's like, oh, they're playing Clemson and yes, their defense was great, but everybody was worried about their offense and Trevor Lawrence is gone. And I wonder if that's who they were hanging their hat on. No, not to take the end too, right? They did, and not to take anything away from you know Georgia's defense. They did a great job, but I'm just saying, um, looks a little different to me. But I think it's a great win for uh, the SEC. I'm I again, regardless of who won this one, it wasn't going to matter when we look at playoff stuff, right? Like Clemson's still going to be great in their conference, and then Georgia's still going to be great in there. So whoever had a loss was still probably going to be ranked pretty high. It's yeah, it's possible. Although I have heard it's going to be real difficult for Clemson now because they're going to probably skate through their ACC schedule. They're going to win the ACC championship. And then if it comes down to a quality win at the end of the season, the only game that they would have really been able to look back on is the Georgia game and you're empty handed. So not not completely because remember the only score in this game was a pick six. So but especially if it comes down between the two, Clemson or Georgia. Obviously. The committee and- is so, so big into like the premier programs. I mean, they snubbed Cincinnati last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they're they're going to find a way to put Clemson in. It's going to be similar to like Ohio State. They found a way. Also keep in mind, and I just pulled up Clemson's schedule. Remember, they've got to still play FSU, who hung tight with top 10 Notre Dame. This they week. looked better, yeah. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they look pretty good. They've also got to play South Carolina at the end of the season, which if that's a mm-hmm. good win and Carolina has at least a decent season, they could hang their hat on that too. We're grasping at straws here, but we know which way the committee is going to go on. Absolutely. So it's really a moot point. All they got to do is win out. If they win out, they're in. I don't, I don't see how you could take a one loss Clemson team over or take another team over a one loss Clemson team in that yeah. particular case. And yeah. As all things, it just depends on what the landscape's looking like then, too. I mean, who who loses and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, Matt, do you have any other teams? It's not going to make a difference. Other thoughts on this one? Uh, no, but uh, kudos to Jake Camarda, five uh, punts for 217 yards this week for Georgia. So he he definitely yeah, worked his it. leg out. Yeah, that's huge. Even with a uh, with with a game where you're playing field position. So I mean, even yeah. that in and of itself yeah. is big. By the way, how how different is football in 2021 compared to football in 2010? 
because or 2010, 2005, if we'd seen this score 15, like 10, 15 years ago, no one would have batted an eye. You know, like, all right, nope. good. It's a good quality win for Georgia. Let's move on. Now they see that score and they're like, well, where were the offenses? Did the running backs not show up for work that day? What's going on? Right. So the games have definitely evolved. Oh, Especially for sure. You look at the amount of yards that some of these teams have put up this week. Right. Yeah. For sure. All right. Let's get to um, Florida Atlantic at Florida. Uh, Florida taking care of this one, 35 to 14. Jesse with the point. Um, however, um, there's an interesting element of, I don't want to say controversy, but Emory Jones, 113 yards on uh, 17 for 27. Uh, he had one touchdown and two interceptions. Now his backup came in, uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, Anthony Richardson, uh, seven carries, 160 yards, led the team in rushing uh, and also had a touchdown. Dan Mullen says there is no quarterback controversy, but with this less than stellar uh, performance against FAU, I mean, you just have to wonder. Now, is he, is he going to play at Coy? Of course. I don't know if you guys saw the interview that I sent you uh, that was on Twitter. Uh, but, yeah, the guy was like, yeah, well, you got a decision to make at quarterback. And Dan Mullen's like, what? 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 I, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, Emory's our guy, you know. And it's like. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's like he was. Dan Mullen is the king of overstating things. And he definitely overplayed that. I think he. He tried to make it so clear that I'm not sure if anyone's sure if it is clear. <laughs> so he's not sure. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, Richardson, uh, a bright, a bright spot in this game. So we'll see. Um, Matt, I want to start with you first on this one. What are your thoughts on Florida's performance against Florida Atlantic and possible quarterback controversy we got here? Well, I, I can tell you right now, historically, Florida, when they have a quarterback that's mobile, does well. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at Tim Tebow. He could move just like the rest of them. Uh, Chris Leak was at Florida. They also yep. could move down the field. Um, they've had a number of different uh, football players that have been able to play that quarterback position, not necessarily as a thrower, but more of a runner. Um, when when the kid comes in and he puts up how many yards rushing? 117, is that what you said? 160. Um, yeah, oh, excuse me, I was really wrong. Yeah, I, I don't see mm -hmm. why you would even go back to Emory Jones. Um, granted, I think Emory Jones is the – is he a junior this year? I'm not think. sure what year he is. Might be. Yeah. I've seen – No, he's I been waiting. Junior. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think he's been up there. But um, if I'm Dan, I would go with what works. And what worked against Florida Atlantic was running with that kid. Um, the thing that worries me, and it only worries me a little bit because I'm a Tennessee fan, I, if Florida could win, lose every game and I'd be fine. Sorry, Florida fans. Um, is Florida gave up 353 yards on the ground, or 353, 353 yards of total offense to Florida Atlantic. That's not an SEC defense. That's worrisome if you're a Florida fan. I mean, mm -hmm. am I wrong there? I'm, pr I'm pretty sure you shouldn't be giving up almost 400 yards to Florida Atlantic. See, but that's yeah. where, you know, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like last year their defense was their issue. They had this yeah. lights out offense and it was able to save them from a less than stellar defense or a not as high of a caliber of defense as their offense. And they have now lost their pair of Kyles and yeah, it's, they can't save them right now. And yes, it's the 21 point difference. And I get that, but it's against Florida Atlantic. 
And as you pointed out, 335 total yards for Florida Atlantic is a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have almost equal time of possession, almost equal first downs. Mm -hmm. And nine penalties. That's also not good. see what is you doing? Lots of penalties this, this week. So the thing is, though, is I was talking to a Florida fan the other day, and they were really happy with the defense. So I don't know if this is just like a matter of bend but don't break to giving up a lot of yards. Obviously, they gave up 14 points. But um, did they see the same stat line we did? Because I don't know. They granted Um, they Florida Atlantic scored two at the very in the fourth quarter. They scored two touchdowns, but 400 yards against Florida Atlantic's offense is not. Not stellar. I feel like that's the difference, though, right? It's like when you look at a score, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But yeah. then when you break it down to the stat line, you're like, oh, maybe it's not as fine as it, as it looks. Right. That's right. where we get in, in sports writing and, and reporting and everything when you're like, the score does not indicate the game. I mean, it does right. the outcome, but you really should look at the, the statistics because sometimes a close game is, you know, it should have been way different. And sometimes a game that was really far apart should have probably been closer. Oh yeah, especially when way, you start getting into like garbage time stuff. Yeah. By the yeah. way, a uh, little little side here with this game. This is Willie Taggart's um, second season, I think, at Florida yeah. Atlantic because he's the head coach there. They've lost huh? four straight under Willie Taggart going back to last season. So poor Willie. Yeah. Poor Willie. He should have yeah. stayed in Oregon. I'm telling you. Um, all right, let's get to uh, Kent State at Texas A&M. A&M winning this one 41 to 10, although it also wasn't necessarily a runaway. Um, I got the point in this one. However, uh, Leon O'Neill Jr. for A&M had two interceptions, including an 85-yard pick six. Um, I mean, I mean that obviously that's good when when your defense is playing like that, but. Um, one thing that I did see was the amount of turnovers uh, for Haynes King, uh, three picks, um, and you just got to take better. I, granted, I didn't, I didn't see the actual plays, so I'm sure you know who knows. There could have been other factors, maybe receivers bobbled it, you know, whatever. But the fact is, with three picks, I mean, odds are some of those are on him. So I, you know, he's got to take better care of that ball. Um, five turnovers. Yeah, five total turnovers. Um, against Kent State. Against Kent State, missing, nonetheless. You keep missing the important part there. It's right. Kent State. You know what Kent State's famous for? Nick Saban. That's it. Yeah, oh, basically. Well, well, there's one other thing, but we won't talk about that. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesse, let's start with you. This, Kent State in the 60s. Yeah. This time, what are your thoughts on, on this A&M win? I mean, it's, it's like we said, right? Like, that yeah, score looks good. You know, that score looks good. But you can't have five turnovers. Mm-hmm. You can have five turnovers against Kent State, but when you get into your SEC schedule, especially your SEC West schedule, you can't have five turnovers. Not if you expect to win a game. What are you? What is you doing, honey? Um, and they let Kent State put up 336 yards. That's yeah. That's a lot of yards. I mean, granted, they they had 597 yards, so absolutely insane. I'm just saying that's a lot for a Kent State offense to put up. And I'm sure some of it was in garbage time or whatever. But again, the five turnovers is is the issue. If I'm Jimbo Fisher, if I'm most of these coaches that we've talked about so far, this week in practice, we are doing fundamentals. We are not going to do penalties. We're not doing turnovers. What happened, SEC? <laughs> Did yeah. we get careless? 
And, you know, maybe it's, you know, week one, but I find myself making this face a lot this week because it's like, <laughs> like you said, what is you doing kind of thing? Matt, Matt, what are your thoughts on this game after you take your drink out of your lovely Tennessee mug there? Listen, uh, Jimbo, here's what happened. They came out flat in the first half. They, they went in the halftime. It's 10-3 Texas ain't it? Jimbo gave him one of his rousing speeches. He got them riled up. He got their dander up, and they came out and they scored 31 in the second half. If I'm an AM fan, I'm not concerned yet. Um, but my quarterback play does make me a little nervous. Um, you know, 21 for 33 for 292 yards and three interceptions is not a good look on paper. And like we said, I didn't see this game either. I saw some highlights from it. It's still not a good look. And they they need to they need to fix some issues down there apparently in Aggie Land. You can't be an SEC team only in the second half. You have to be an SEC team for all four quarters. Trust That's me, I'm just a, it. I, th- I think we are all aware of that fact. Considering our fandoms, you can't pl- play only two quarters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Play for four, stay for four. That's it. Um, all right, let's get to East Tennessee State at Vanderbilt. And I wish I could skip this one because I feel there bad. is nothing to talk about. I Vanderbilt feel, is awful. I feel bad. Do you guys remember uh, a whole week ago we talked and we were talking about, um, you know, uh, Coach Lee? <laughs> all he has to do, expectations are low. All he has to do is win one game. One game. Uh-huh. I, after watching the t- twenty-three to three to East they Tennessee State, hey, hey, that is they did the get the first three East points. Tennessee. Now that is a Randy Sanders coached football team. That is <laughs> yeah. A good football you, you said team. that was going to give them the edge last week. You're like, yeah, yeah, I was right. <laughs> yeah, I was right. Now Vanderbilt scored the first three points of the game. Uh, <laughs> the but only then three. They were like, "We're good. We're done. <laughs> That's it's it." Fine. So, uh, but yes, Matt, you got the point. You were the only one to pick East Tennessee State. I, I have to believe. I believe. And let's just have a moment of silence for this beat down at home. Okay, that's long enough. But the uh, rock bottom of this game is when Ken Seals went to pass. And I don't know if you guys saw this. He went to pass and the ball slipped out of his hand in the windup. And East Tennessee scooped it and scored for a touchdown. It's like the bad news bears of football. It was, oh. Uh, I mean, it's again, granted, it's week one. It's Vanderbilt. There's a lot of kinks to work out, but even even the, all those things considered, that was that was just bad. Twenty for thirty-five. It yeah. was twenty for thirty-five for hundred and ninety-five yards and two interceptions. Yeah. Three tur- total turnovers. Yeah. I mean, it's since since you went ahead, you got any more thoughts on this one? On this in, in particular? I, I'm just sad. I'm just sad. <laughs> just sad. For them. Sad for them. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. It's just bad. It's East, bad. East Tennessee has been playing collegiate football since 1920. Okay. Okay. They've been, they've been playing football in East Tennessee for quite some time. Yeah. This is only their sixth win over an FBS team in their entire history. Number six. That's, that's your stat of the week right there. That's your stat wow. for this game because that's, awful i guess all you gotta say I, all you can say is just hey kudos to them right <laughs> i feel they bad came, for Vandy. they came they came out but, and executed and vanderbilt couldn't hang with them so they did yeah. they did in yep. state in state beat down mm-hmm. 
right. <clears throat> well, um, let's get to LSU at UCLA. I don't know if you guys saw Coach O walking in the tunnel before the game. Yes. UCLA, oh. UCLA fans heckling and said, go with your sissy blue shirt. And um, we all know that they kept the receipts that on that statement. Because well. it was all uh, over their Twitter. It, go to UCLA oh, football they're, Twitter they're, right Yeah, now. they're selling shirts now that say oh, sissy blue no. shirt on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's clever. That's funny. Yeah. So um, LSU, obviously Johnson is their starting quarterback now. Uh, he did have three touchdowns, but he, the one pick that I saw, uh, ill-advised, um, not a great throw, not a great decision. And then LSU, uh, poor tackling again. Like it's – it's almost like I'm watching a replay of last year and not taking anything away from UCLA. Granted, they, they did what they needed to do. I mean, mm -hmm. they really controlled this game for the most part, but it's just a completely different look for the LSU. It's, it's weird. Uh, I could, I can't even really describe, obviously two years ago, we saw an, uh, an insane perfect storm, great team. One of the best teams we've ever seen. Uh, great mm -hmm. coordinators. Obviously, the coordinators have uh, been swapped a couple of times since then uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, so there's been a lot of turnover, granted, uh, but uh, but it's just a, a completely different team. Um, Jesse, uh, let's start with you. I can't remember who I'm. I'm, I'm really struggling to remember who went first the last time. But Jesse, let's start, let's start with you this time. What are your thoughts on this um, late game Saturday night out in Pasadena? And they just got their tails handed to them. What do you think? They they really twenty six for forty six. Twenty six for forty six. Yeah. Three touchdowns, one interception. That's not great, guys. That's not great. Um, UCLA more yardage, four hundred seventy yards against three seventy nine. I mean, the stat lines other than that look relatively similar, but yeah, this is not what you want to start the season off with. Yes. It's not like a terrible opponent, but it is not the UCLA of, of days past. Um, and this is certainly not the LSU team of, of years recent. So uh, some things need to change. I don't know if they're trying to recreate their perfect sauce again, but they might need to add in a couple different ingredients. Yeah. Um, so there were, I didn't necessarily realize this at the time, but apparently there were a lot of people who were not happy about coach O getting the job when he got hired on, you know, full oh. in a full capacity there. I remember that. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously they're uh, clamoring for, for change. Now, Matt, how hot, how hot is coach O's seat right now? I, I don't think it's super hot. Remember they they're coming off a, it was a national championship two years ago. So, I mean, yeah. they're not that far off. Uh, well, I say that, you know, they, they fired people for less and quicker amount of time. Um, so I, I don't think is, I personally don't think it seats that warm. Um, now if this happens all season, then potentially you could be looking at some problems. You could potentially be looking at a coaching change, which stinks. Cause I like coach. O. I think coach O does a decent job uh, as the head coach there, but they've got to make some adjustments because remember this is a PAC 12 team. Uh, and historically speaking, SEC teams run through Pac-12 teams like they're tissue paper. 
Um, and that's not what happened here. Uh, the thing that I was looking at while we were talking a second ago is UCLA had their top two rushers, Zach Charbonnet, Charbonnet or Charbonnet. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. 11 carries for 117 yards. And then Britton Brown, 17 carries for 96 yards. Um, that's not acceptable for an LSU defense uh, to give up that amount of yardage to a Pac-12 running pair of running backs. It's not a good look. Um, so, yeah, I think Coach O's got a little bit to be concerned about, maybe a little bit. Um, but you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta refocus. And again, their schedule, not going to be easy. They're SEC West. They've got to deal with Bama. They got to deal with Auburn. They got to deal with Ole Miss. So, I mean, this is a team that claims to be DBU, right? And we're going to have to see things change significantly for them to get back to that identity. Cause it's not there right now. Um, nope. All right, let's get to the last game, which occurred Monday night, and that was Louisville at Ole Miss. Ole Miss winning this one 43-24 uh, to 24, and Jesse getting the point in this one. Um, you know, we've said for a couple years now um, with Ole Miss's offense, incredible offense that they've had, and if they even have just a hint of defense, they're going to be a scary team to deal with. They did seem to be improved on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, Snoop Connor, <laughs> just a beast. I don't know if you guys saw that, uh, where he ran over the guy for the touchdown there near the, uh, mm-hmm. I think that was near the end of the game. I can't remember when, uh, but man, just, just annihilating people out there. And then, uh, Kiffin, uh, doing his, uh, interview over zoom or whatever, uh, saying he might stay home for every game if they're going to play like this, <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, Matt, your thoughts on this one. And I mean, a really great performance by Ole Miss. Yeah, um, Matt Corral looked pretty good. Uh, you know, 381 yards in the air is nothing to, nothing to slouch about. 12 yards, he averaged every pass. Snoop Connor with 60 yards. Matt Corral rushed for 55 more yards. Offensively, like we said, Ole Miss knows how to execute offensively. I'm, uh, I'm going to hesitate to say the defense has improved from what we saw last year because of this isn't really a good test in my book. Um, okay. I would have to go back and look at Louisville's uh, record last season uh, and also to look at a couple things. Um, they still got 355 yards um, total offense. So uh, are they improved? Maybe, but we'll have to see. By the way, 14 penalties against Ole Miss in this game. 14 penalties, three of which were targeting calls, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Right. Um, yeah, Jesse, your thoughts on this one. I thought Matt Corral showed some more leadership this game and this season so far than he has. Um, last season, he looked like he was very uncertain to me. I think he showed a little bit more leadership. He felt or he looked like he felt more confident um, and started to step into that role uh, a little bit more. But, you know, I think it was I was interested to see how they would play without Kiffin. Uh, for those that didn't realize, Lane Kiffin tested positive for COVID. He was not there. Um, but yeah, they did a, like I said, they did a great job on offense like Matt. I'm still not convinced on defense. They did allow 355 yards. They also Louisville controlled the clock for the most part. Louisville had the ball for 35, um, almost 36 minutes and, uh, old miss only had it for 24. Mm. So again, defense, you got to get Louisville off the field. Now, again, that obviously means that offense is firing on all cylinders. They're quickly up and down, up and down. But again, just something to kind of look out for. 
we'll get to the penalties and targeting, specifically targeting, because in this game, before the second quarter was over, there were four, four targeting calls, two per team at that point, mm-hmm. before the end of the second quarter. Yeah, there was a lot of it for sure. One, uh, you're talking about Lane Kiffin not being there. Uh, one thing that I heard about him uh, today that was interesting that you may not even associate when you think about Lane Kiffin, but from a quarterback's standpoint, uh, they say that he's great to play for. They say he's a very, and again, this sounds weird saying it about Lane Kiffin, but on the sidelines, he's a very like calming presence for a quarterback. He doesn't get like super like crazy or jacked or angry or whatever. Uh, he's just a very calming presence on the sidelines. So that was interesting, something that I never really thought about him, uh, but apparently is true and, and um, is uh, something that he uh, he's good at with his quarterback. So, you know, Joey Freshwater's all chill, baby. You know, he don't get excited. Well, I think you can start to see that, right? Like yeah. Matt Crow last season was a little, to me, he just felt a little like jittery when things got wild in the game. He just kind of panicked. Um in a season under Lane Kiffin, he's starting to chill out just a little bit more. My favorite thing was going into halftime, if you watched uh, the halftime coverage, is they were like, is anybody checking Lane Kiffin's Twitter? What is he saying? Oh, you know he's that's tweeting That's true, because right he now. can live tweet. That's, that's exactly. fantastic. I didn't oh, I didn't watch it, but or his Twitter, but I kind of wish I would have. I know. I, I Now that you mentioned it, I wish I would have as well, man. Um, that does it for the games for last week. Our current pick'em standings, uh, Jesse with five. I've got five, and Matt has three. Lots of points out there. Uh, lots of points out there this week as well because we got a lot of non-conference opponents as well. So um, it's going to get uh, it's going to get interesting. So um, all right, let's go ahead and get into our news segment. Here's the news. All right, so our news item. Uh, today is, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you've, if you've been paying attention to the college football landscape, the expansion of the Big 12 or the looming expansion of the Big 12 as they prepare to invite uh, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF uh, to the conference. Um, I want to get uh, both you guys' thoughts on this and its impact on college football. Matt, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on a Big 12 expansion with these schools? Well, let's be honest here. The Big 12 is about to get gutted with the two top schools leaving when Oklahoma and Texas and when they do join the SEC. The best thing that the Big 12 could do to keep relevant is to invite in teams that aren't awful. Cincinnati is a perennial uh, mover and shaker on the polls. So is UCF. Houston was in the mix a couple of years ago. I think they've fallen off a little bit. And BYU traditionally uh, hasn't been a big mover and shaker, but I seem to remember their names bouncing around back when they were in the Mountain West and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, they may still be in the Mountain West if that's even still a conference. I honestly can't remember. I um, they were independent, but maybe are I'm they, misremembering they might, that. I don't they know. Used to be, they used to be in the same one with Air Force. So that was the Mountain West back in the day. I may mm-hmm. be wrong. But if you're the Big 12 and you can't pick up other teams and you need to get make a splash, I think these schools are the ones to make a splash, especially Cincinnati and UCF. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think I said it when we talked initially about bringing in Texas and Oklahoma, and I said that if I was talking about the Big Ten, but saying if someone was were smart, they'd pull in Cincinnati, someone should pull in UCF, and clearly they listen to the podcast. The Big 12 does, Absolutely. because um, now we've got, 
you know, we've got Cincinnati and, and UCF going. Houston's a great choice. I think BYU, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, they've produced some decent quarterbacks, right, at BYU? Ty, Ty Detmer, he's a Heisman yeah. winner at a BYU. So I think that's a great choice. Um, And I think we're going to have to – we're going to start seeing – I think some more conferences do that. I would not be surprised if Big Ten starts to do that or ACC starts to do that as well because you see these conferences get bigger um, and they get more names the bigger they get. And so I think we might start to see that. I mean, we saw it when, if if people don't forget, but you saw it several years ago when the Big Ten added in Rutgers and Maryland. Mm -hmm. That was their way of expanding to the East Coast. Um, So... It's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility for other conferences to jump on this. Yeah. And I looked and BYU is in the FBS uh, independence uh, oh, okay. right now. So I think, good, I think they good, used to be in the Mountain West. I was going to say good. Well, I mean, good for them now because, you know, obviously that gives them a, a conference to be a part of. And um, to me, this is a win-win for both. Obviously these schools need this. I mean, you got your, your UCFs and your Cincinnati's who have, you know, been clamoring to get in the playoff, uh, but just haven't been able to get over that hump, mostly due to scheduling. And now that's probably going to be resolved for them. The same token, you've got Big 12. They needed teams. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. Uh, They were down to, what was it, eight? uh, eight? They're down to eight teams, Um, right? Yeah, because they had 10, because the Big 12 had 10. And the Big Ten has and 12. Yeah, and yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a mess. Whatever. Yeah. So they're down to eight teams, close to being delegitimized as a conference. I mean, yeah. honestly. So they needed this. These schools needed this. I think it's a win-win. So interesting to see how this works out, um, especially in scheduling, too. I'm interested to see how um, schedules will, will come out. Um, likely, uh, these schools will be invited next week. So it'll be official. Uh, should be official next week, I suppose. By the way, rest in peace to Cincinnati and UCF fans if they have to go all the way to Colorado for a football game. Because that's a right. long way to go, baby. That's rough. Those, <laughs> those in-conference games are going to be awful. Right, right. Um, all right, I think that does it for news, or the, the main news of the week anyway. Uh, and then next we have our opinion segment. Sir, if I may venture an opinion. I'm not really interested in your opinion, 3 PL. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. I love that. Um, all right, so obviously we talked about targeting calls uh, between Ole Miss and Louisville, and there was a lot of them. Matt, I, I want you to kind of take the lead with this one. I know you, you mentioned it in, in our group chat earlier. I know you have some feelings on, uh, on targeting as well. Yeah, a little bit. Um, what, what, what you got, man? So here, there were four main targeting calls in, in the first half of this football game. I think even before the first quarter, I think it was first 20 minutes, there were four targeting calls. Um, and all of them resulted in ejections. Only one of them I felt like warranted an ejection. Here's the issue that I have with this. Um, football players are taught from a very young age that when they're going to tackle, they're supposed to quote-unquote, bite the football. We talked about this last time we ranted about targeting. You're supposed to throw, put your shoulder across the ball carrier and put your helmet on the football. Well, when the running back or wide receiver or whoever puts their helmet down, there's not a lot you can do, and it's a split-second decision. So does helmet-to-helmet contact happen? Yes. Do we want to avoid that? Yes. Does it need to result in the ejection of a player? I don't think so. 
Um, the first one, if I remember correctly, because I watched the clip, rewatched the clips this afternoon. The first one was a running back uh, lowering his shoulder, and there was an incidental helmet to helmet contact with a linebacker. Linebacker gets ejected. Mm-hmm. Um, the next targeting was the quarterback, Matt Corral, actually scrambled out of the pocket and dove and er, slid. Excuse me. That was the worst slid, one. That was the one that I thought, well, that's targeting. That's what that looks like. Um, Louisville's linebacker lowered his head, just two, boom. Two of them, <laughs> two of them two, at the yeah, same time. Two of them, and it and it looked it looked like Crowell was going to be injured. Like it looked like that resulted in a concussion. Oh man, his he his popped, head whipped back it, onto it the bounced, turf. And, yeah, oh, it was bad. It, it was really bad. But he popped right back up. And then the other two were again incidental, lowering the shoulder, um, targeting issues. I I don't know how you make that judgment call. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin, uh, and. Wes, I don't think you read what Lane said, did you? I might have missed it. Um, I read what you put on there. I, I didn't see it okay. for myself, though. Yeah, Lane said we just need – and this is a quote direct from Lane Kiffin. He said, we just need these Big Ten officiating team uh, crews to teach us how to tackle because obviously we don't know how. Yeah. Um, <laughs> typical typical Lane salt. There's a little salt for you from Lane. Um, and, and I don't think he's wrong. Uh, when you get these, comp, when you get these uh, referees making these targeting calls, it's like, well, what are you supposed to do in that situation? Um Terry McCauley, who's a former NFL referee, tweeted his opinion on a bunch of this stuff and called Lane's uh, uh, called Lane's comments asinine, which I completely disagreed with. Um, said that it's the coach's job to teach tackling technique, not the referees. Which again, we understand that we get that point, Terry. But it's just it's just a mess. I, the targeting thing needs to be a two tier, like we used to have with pass interference. No, it was uh, was it was it blocking the back? No, we used to have one where it was. You had one that was five yards and the one that was 15. Well, I can't remember what it is. the punter is uh, divided even now, isn't it? There's the running into version and then there's the roughing, roughing version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a tiered thing there, which I've read that they've been trying to bring in for years, but they can't get the uh, people, the higher ups to agree to it. So I think that's what we need to head towards is we need, you know, this is egregious, hardcore targeting. That needs to result in an ejection versus incidental targeting, which, yeah, that sucks, but there's not a lot we can do about it. So here's a five-yard penalty or 10-yard penalty, and let's go ahead and keep playing football. Because mm-hmm. a, like a, kid the- a kid shouldn't get kicked off football game, especially like I was thinking about it because the, one of the linebackers that got ejected for um, Ole Miss was a senior. And I'm like, this is his last home opener, and you're going <clears> to <throat> eject him because of an incidental con- uh, uh, targeting call? I just – it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be like the, I mean, this sounds a silly comparison, but like the degrees of murder, because the the degrees change because of the intent, right? And while you can't always judge intent by looking at a play, you can kind of see it. It's like you're saying if it's incidental or if it really is, he lowered his head, he went for it. Because there are, I mean, you can see it. When you see those, it makes your guts just like Mm -hmm. turn. Um, And when it's incidental, you're like, well, what was he supposed to do? And I, until you have that sort of tiered or degreed approach, you're going to have to make these calls because you can't just be like, the rule says helmet, helmet contact. They don't have all those stipulations in there yet. So what do you do? You can't judge intent. So you just got to call it and you got to follow the rules. It sucks. Um, But I mean, it wasn't just Ole Miss this weekend. We talked about it on, I feel like all of the games, there's so much targeting, um, and I didn't see every single targeting call, whether it was justified or not, but it was quite the plague for the SEC this weekend. 
Um, Jesse, you don't happen to listen to any uh, murder podcasts or true crime podcasts, do you? Um, just usually every she's, single day. She's um, a white woman. Of course she does. You cannot see right no. outside this door, but there is quite right. literally a plaque on my wall that says, welcome, let's talk about serial killers. Yeah. I could do a true crime podcast in addition to <laughs> No. I, I knew the I knew the answer to that before I even asked. But I mean, yeah, I mean, so I, I kind of get both sides. But kind of, as you said earlier, Matt, the the way the rule is written now. I mean, they really have to throw the flag. I mean, yeah, you could say, oh, it should be changed. But the way the rule is written now, the oh, yeah. refs have to throw the flag. And mm-hmm. I, I agree with the uh, two tiered approach. I think you should have basically like uh, defenseless versus guys who are ball carriers and not defenseless like your, your running backs who see the, def- the defender and instinctively lower their head, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that that should be the one that doesn't get you thrown out of the game because the defender, you're trying to do the right thing. And, you know, it sucks when you do the right thing, but because the offensive guy adjusted and lowered his head, well, you're ejected from the game. Uh, but I'm leading with the crown of the helmet. And I get it, like the rule is not just – for the safety of the person getting tackled. If anything, it's more for the safety of the tackler. How many mm-hmm. times have we seen guys with neck injuries? You look at uh, David Pollock, you look at Ryan Shazier, guys who uh, have really messed themselves up uh, with you know these leading with the crown of the helmet type tackles. Um, and so it's designed to keep both guys safe, but I do think it could be tweaked though um, to not be so one-sided and throwing guys out because of something that's completely beyond their control. And like you said, you can obviously tell when something's incidental most of the time, maybe not a hundred percent of the time, but most of the time you can tell when something's incidental versus, Oh, that guy is just out to hurt somebody. Um, Yeah. Like like that linebacker play that, that shot to corral, that was definitely flagrant targeting. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was instinctual. Maybe the kid didn't mean to, he was just going on instinct, but if you see a quarterback start to go into a slide, you got to pull off. You can't yeah. just boom them like that. I thought things would start to change because targeting's been in the game for a long time now. That rule. nine years mm-hmm. now, it's been on the book. And nine years. You think a lot of these kids have grown up supposedly being taught differently, but we're seeing a lot of it still, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it hasn't seemed to leave the sport as we thought it would. Now, I, I am glad that the rule is still there, uh, but. Um, you'd hope that it would also encourage people to teach the kids a little bit differently as well when it comes to tackling, because that's the point. So um, anyway, all right, um, real quick, let's get to um, some of our uh, listener feedback. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right. um, This first one, I'm going to kind of go through real quickly because we already talked about LSU, but uh, Erica says LSU upset by UCLA. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of SEC fans are enjoying that this week. Um, um, And then uh, next we have, uh, is this is the one I was talking about earlier, which is interesting. Um, Austin Bailey says his takeaway from week one is that the SEC is dead set on keeping the Arkansas uh, Razorbacks, the laughing stock of the conference with bad calls and just no support. And I didn't see every play of the game on Saturday. So I don't necessarily know what he's talking about. But what I did see, I didn't, I didn't see 
too much of that. Did you guys have any thoughts on that? I'm just confused by the no support. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're yeah. a, a historic, um, you know, team in the SEC, and they've had some really good years. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They've had several years in a row where I just remember as a Bama fan, I hated playing Arkansas. I felt mm-hmm. like they always had our number, and it was a jittery game. Um, Georgia faced them in the uh, SEC uh, championship one year. So, I mean, they've done well. Yeah. It was Zendaya McFadden was their running back, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. I don't I don't know quite where the no support comes in. I mean, they obviously have the uh, recognition of being an SEC school. Um, they have the, the money that comes from the conference as well as they get the benefits uh, when the money gets spread around from bowl games and national championships. So I, I'm not sure with that. I didn't get to watch all of that game, so I, I really don't know if there were any bad calls that we should talk about. But if there were, let us know. Yeah. And one of the main reasons I even included that is if there's any other, you know, any, if there's many Arkansas fans listening, is this like a common thread? Is this just like a one-off that this, this, uh, this guy is saying, or is that more of a consensus? Do you like, you are not the laughing stock of the sec. I assure yeah. you. Remember yes. Vanderbilt <laughs> only scored three points. Yes. You're yeah. fine. Against You're okay. East Tennessee state. <laughs> yeah. So hang your hat on that. Um, and then uh, Janet Russell, hello to my favorite mother-in-law, uh, says <laughs> her takeaway. Better be your was, only mother-in-law, Wes. I know. We, <laughs> we, we joke about that. But um, she said uh, her takeaway was that she was dead wrong about Bryce Young and his inability to step into the big shoes of Mac Jones' roll tide. I'm sure um, we've already talked a little bit about that, but, um, but uh, anything else to add to that? Uh, I think okay. I, 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 I said it too. I was – pleasantly surprised i think yeah. we've said everything we need to say about bryce young this week right and then uh finally we have uh ralph warren who who's commented several times because i remember we were saying ralph lauren last year anyway um yeah. <laughs> I missed anyway that. it is ralph warren anyway um his comment was south carolina special teams are a force after being a huge weakness which is true they had two uh blocked punts in the game saturday so it was just an all-around impressive day for south carolina uh, again Granted, proud for him against a lesser team, but hey, like you said, proud, proud for them. So, um, all right, let us get to the matchups that are coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. And uh, Matt, you still can't hear us, can you? <laughs> no, I say I hear you just fine. Oh, okay. Um, it's a little muffled, but I can you, hear you. You, you're the um, like you've got Lee quite Corso. A, I was say, you got quite the quite the headgear for this show, I'm, man. I'm 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 trying out something new this week. If we end up winning, I'm going to do this. Every you week. have to do this. All right. Hey. Um, all right. First up, the, the this week we have Alabama State at number twenty-five Auburn. That is uh, noon on the SEC Network. Um, I think this is going to be a, a repeat of what we saw with Akron last week. Um, basically, and I'm going to go with Auburn winning this one 55 to 13. Jesse? Yeah, I agree. It's going to be sort of the same kind of song and dance as last week. I've got the Tigers 45 to 13. All right, Matt? Uh, the Alabama State mascot is the Hornets, and the Hornets are going to get smashed this week, so it's Auburn 48 to 10. Nice. Um, <clears throat> all right, next we have South Carolina at East Carolina, um, and that's noon on ESPN2. 
Um, this is an interesting line on this game. And I, when I looked, I don't know that South Carolina is favored or if they are, it's by a very narrow margin. Anyway, two points right now, two points according to what Vegas is saying. Is it? Okay. All right. So, um, I am going with South Carolina. I'm going 31 to 28 South Carolina, Jesse, what you got? I am just hoping for the best for them. Um, I too, am going to pick the Gamecocks and I'm going to say 34 to 21. All right, Matt, what you got? I uh, I originally was going to pick Carolina here, and I'm still going to stick with Carolina. I'm not going to get crazy. But this is an East Carolina team that played Appalachian State last week and did not do so hot, but it's still going to be pretty close. So I'm going to say Carolina's 2017. Okay. All right, next we have uh, Pitt at Tennessee, uh, the Johnny Majors Classic. Um, <laughs> and that's noon on ESPN. Matt, please don't hate me, Okay. I'm going to have to go with Pitt on this one. As yes. much as I, don't, I don't like picking against the conference, but I'm trying to get the point here. I'm going to go with Pitt 31 to 27. Jesse, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to pick I'm going to pick the Vols. I was a little nervous to pick them, and I still am. It's going to be a close one, um, and I'm going to pick the Vols 28 to 24. All right, Matt. I have faith in the boys this week. We're going to get it done. Pitt's going to get a touchdown in garbage time to make it look closer than it's going to be. I'm going to say Tennessee wins this thing 30 to 34. All right. 30 to 30. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. I got you there. Um, all right. Confused about. There's a lot of field goals. Field I got goals. you. Yep. Um, all right. Next <laughs> we, we have uh, number 13, Florida at South Florida, one o'clock on ABC. Um, I anticipate this one will be similar to our last uh, Florida game. Maybe, um, you know, some offense here, uh, maybe some questions, uh, a quarterback still, I don't know, but we're going to go with Florida 35 to 17. What do you think, Jesse? Yeah, I think it's, again, it's going to be similar to how they played FAU. I'm interested to see what happens at quarterback. Um, if there truly is no controversy there, but I'm going to pick the Gators 38, 17. All right, uh, Matt. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to make some decisions this week in practice, but Florida's going to win this thing 38-14. Okay. All right, next we have UAB at number two, Georgia, 330 on ESPN2. Um, interesting stuff going on right now. There's uh, Georgia has three or four players out with breakthrough COVID cases, um, though 90% uh, of the team is vaccinated, according to Kirby Smart, um, and a couple of staff members as well. Um, Kirby says it's the biggest spike they've had thus far. So that's not good. Um, I'm not really sure who the players are, uh, but on top of that, we got JT Daniels. He's dealing with a core injury, likely ribs or oblique is what they're thinking. Um, injury's not long-term, but day-to-day -day is his status right now. So uh, we'll see. Um, a lot going on there, but I, I think the dogs are going to win this one 35-10. Um, Jesse. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, was his, injury sustained during the uh the clemson game or I, I guess it was just one of those deals where he played through it. i i don't remember seeing a play where either. he was like wincing or anything like that but yeah hmm, interesting um yeah i'm still gonna pick the dogs 38 to 10 matt uab beat jackson state this past weekend who's known as a perennial football power um their claim to fame is having neon dion or not neon dion uh Oh, I just blanked on it. Who's their head coach? Um, maybe it is Deion Sanders. It yeah. is Deion Sanders. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Prime time. Sorry. 
I had a brain, mm-hmm. yeah, prime time, baby. Sorry, I had a brain fart. So yeah, uh, UAB's one and zero, but they're walking out of Athens one and one. So Georgia's going to win this thing thirty-eight three. Okay, going to be close. Uh, one thing interesting to note also is uh, Carson Beck is the backup currently um, with uh, Stetson Bennett at uh, number three on the depth chart, and Brock Stetson's Vandegrift. Still there, huh? Yeah, Brock Vandegrift is uh, is back there too. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Options. But yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right, so next we have number five, Texas A&M at Colorado at 3.30 on Fox. Um, yeah, I think Texas A&M will be able to handle this. They, I got uh, A&M winning 34 to 17. Jesse? Yeah, um, Texas A&M, I highly suggest hitting the oxygen bar um, prior mm. to going to the stadium because that yeah. Colorado air is very different than what y'all have at Kyle Field. So. I'm still going to pick Texas A&M 38 to 10. All right, Matt. I think this is an old Big 12 matchup, isn't it? Back when both teams were in the Big 12. I think they used to play each other all the time. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. I think think so. Uh, Back before Texas A&M became one of the good guys. Um, Even though Jesse doesn't think they're the good guys because of Jimbo, but we won't get into that. We've gone this whole episode without any Jimbo slander. I'm trying to behave. How did that even happen? We went over like a whole game of theirs with none of them. Because I'm trying my best. You're trying to be a better person. Be, um, be who you are, Jesse. Don't don't try and hide from the truth. You know you don't. You hate Jimbo Fisher. Oh, I so do. Absolutely. With that with that being said, I don't have a hard time imagining uh, Texas A&M getting up early and staying ahead. So I'm going to say Texas A&M wins 42-14. Enjoy the scenery. Yeah, that's right. It's a beautiful. Boulder's area. a lovely city. Yeah, so lovely. beautiful. Um, all right, next we got Mercer at number one, Alabama, four o'clock on SEC Network. Hey, we talked about schools going and getting paid a lot of money to get beat down. It's hard to not be demoralized after this, though. I mean, this is just going to be like, I think Bama's backups are going to be in. I don't even know if the first quarter is going to be done by the time <laughs> the backups are in. Um, anyway, uh, I got Bama winning this one 63 to zero. Jesse? Yeah, I feel bad for Mercer because for all of us, it's like right there in the backyard. Right. Um, so they kind of feel bad for him, but not too bad. Um, tide rolls 56 to 6, and that they only get those because it, I don't know who is playing at that point. The is grad that, assistant might be playing. Is that two field goals or a touchdown and a missed extra point? <laughs> yes, I, I, it could have gone either way. I'm open to <laughs> what could happen. I could just picture that. Yeah, we got a touchdown and then doink off. <laughs> Or does it block? Right, yeah, or that too. Um, all right, uh, Matt. Uh, Mercer's going to get several thousand reasons why they should have played this game. So they're going to get they're going to yeah. get what they need. Mm-hmm. They're going to come in. They're going to give Bama trouble for about all of thirty five seconds, and then it'll be all Bama from there. So I'm maybe sick. they can Maybe, maybe, maybe the very beginning, like the minute the football gets kicked, like. <laughs> From the time that it gets kicked to about here is all the time Mercer is going to get him. Um, so I'm going to say Bam wins this thing big, especially after Nick Saban says that we need to work on our intensity. Uh, after last week's game, I'm going to say Bam wins this thing 63 to 10. All right. Bryce Young's going to go off. <laughs> yeah. For a whole quarter. <laughs> For a whole quarter. Yep. I mean, the guys are going to get some reps, uh, let me tell you. So That's great. That's great. <laughs> Um, all right. Nick's not going to pull him until he has to. Uh, yeah. Uh, number 15, Texas at Arkansas. We talked about this one uh, last week is kind of a, a game. Arkansas is going to be marking on their calendar as an opportunity to make a statement of sorts. Uh, that's seven o'clock on ESPN. I mean, 
I'm pulling for Arkansas. And I, if they could pull off this upset, that would be amazing. Uh, but I'm going to have to go with my gut and say that Texas is going to win this one 31 to 24. Jesse? Yeah, I really want Arkansas to pull pull this one off. I think that would be so great for their confidence, for their program. It would confuse me a lot. Um, if they were able to do it, I would be like, I don't know where we're at as a team. But unfortunately, I am not confident that's going to happen. So I really do hate to pick against the conference, but I am going to pick the Longhorns 34 to 21. All right, Matt. This is an old Southwest Conference matchup, Arkansas and Texas. They used to play each other all the time. I want to pick Arkansas so bad. I want to pick them so bad. But I know that that's probably not going to be the logical choice here. So I'm going to stick with everybody else and say Texas wins this thing. I'm going to say they win 21. I'm going to say I was going to say 21-10. I'm going to change it. I'm going to say 21 to 13. Okay. All right. Moving on to North uh, NC State at Mississippi State, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Um, I would love to see uh, Mike Leach win this one in Mississippi State, obviously, but um, I don't think – I think NC State is going to have the edge on this one. I got them winning 30-27. to 27. Jesse? Yeah, I, with what we saw last week, um, even last season, I am just not confident that Coach Leach and the uh, Bulldogs are going to pull this one out. So I am going to unfortunately have to pick against the conference again. NC State wins this one 28-24. to 24. Okay, Matt. It hurts, doesn't it? You hate it doing does. it. But you really don't. You don't have a choice. You have to do it. You can't be that much of a homer. Um, excuse me. NC State is one of those ACC mid-tier teams that usually gives SEC teams trouble when they play them. Um, mm-hmm. Tennessee played at NC State a couple years ago, and NC State beat us like a red-haired stepchild. But that's not saying a lot. Anyway, uh, I'm going to say NC State wins this thing 30 to 21. All right. Um, next, we have Mizzou at Kentucky, 730 on SEC Network. <clears throat> um, I think we'll see uh, some more of that high-powered offense, um, although they may give up a few points. Um, I have Kentucky uh, winning this one, 31-24. to 24. Jesse? Yeah, after what we saw this past week, I, I have to agree. I'm going to go with the Wildcats. Um, I'm going to go 28-24. Okay, Matt? All good picks. I'm also going with the Wildcats this week. Uh, Coach Strinky is going to have to wear this one, so it's going to be Kentucky 28-21. to 21. All right. Uh, next we have Austin P at Ole Miss, 7.30 on ESPN+. Plus. Lots of offense in this one, and those 10 points are going to be garbage time. I got Ole Miss winning this one 70-10. to 10. Jesse, Ooh. what do you got? Woof. I agree. It's also going to be just a whole lot of offense. Um, I assume Lane Kiffin will be allowed to be back. I don't know. Um, I don't know all the COVID protocols. I think so, but I'm not sure. It is going to be an <clears throat> offensive um, game right there, but only for Ole Miss. I'm picking them uh, 56 to 10. Matt? Listen, if you're a governor, you need to just not come to this game because it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. Austin Peace, the governors. Uh, I have a thing for mascots, so sue me. Um, yeah, Austin Peay's not going to be able to hang in this one at all. They're playing at the Grove. It's a night game. It's going to be bad. Mm. You might as well go ahead and buckle up your chin strap. Ole Miss is going to come to play. And I think uh, will Lane be in attendance? I don't think he will be quite yet. Oh, is he still in um, the – I could, I wasn't no, sure. I don't know the what the, the COVID protocols it, typically are now. It's, typically it's two weeks, but um, we'll see. So, yeah, I'm going to say Ole Miss wins this thing 56-14. Oh, 
Austin Peay's going to get a couple points. They're going to get some garbage time uh, touchdowns to make it look closer. In right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next, we have uh, McNeese at LSU, um, 8 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, LSU gets a much-needed lesser opponent after last week's performance. Um, and um, I'm making no predictions what the game's going to look like because, goodness knows, I have no idea with LSU. But I do think they're going to get the win uh, 45 to 10. Jesse? Yeah, I think LSU is going to be having a rough week of practice, um, hopefully cleaning up a lot of stuff there. But I'm going to pick the Tigers 32 to 13. Okay, Matt? Um, this is a McNeese State team that lost last weekend to Western Florida, uh, who I, I don't even know who that is. So, yeah, I don't think that Tampa? Ole Miss is going to have any trouble with this one. So I think Ole Miss is going to win 38-10. Okay. Um, all right, <laughs> LSU, Vanderbilt <clears throat> at Colorado State, 10 o'clock on CBSSN. Um, I hate it, I hate it for them, but I am going to go with Colorado State 28 to 21 on this one, Jesse. Andy, go to the oxygen bar too, and maybe just stay, <laughs> maybe go to the actual maybe just bar, stay. maybe just go to the bar. <laughs> Um, I hate to do it, but yeah, I'm going to pick Colorado State 31 to 10. I'm sorry. Matt? Uh, first off, a 10 p.m. kickoff for an SEC team is just obscene uh, and uncalled for and not necessary at all. Yeah. 10 p.m. on the East Coast for a football game is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But luckily, it's Vanderbilt, so no one's going to watch it anyway. So, um, yeah, I went there. Um, so yeah, Colorado State's gonna roll here and be 35-3. Poor poor Clark Lee is gonna actually be in the bar afterwards and he's gonna be like, Yeah, I thought taking the job was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh no, not so much. No, it wasn't. It's a free trip to Colorado. That's true. It's Boulder, true. Not, Boulder's a really nice town too. Yeah. It's fun. Wait, Colorado State's in wait, not in I don't, where I don't is know Colorado, where Colorado State? Colorado State is. I'm not sure. Is that in, in, Colorado's in Boulder. I messed that up. Colorado is State that in is Fort in Collins? Fort is, Collins. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly where it is. Whoops. I mean, it's all it's all beautiful out there. Still beautiful. The my, my, brother in, my brother-in-law is a Colorado State alum. He's probably going to kick me in the teeth for messing that one. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. That does it for our upcoming matchups. <clears throat> um, I don't think we really had it just for fun. However, I do have a question. Jesse, if it meant that Alabama would win a national title – would you eat a brown banana with the peel and stem? I I would, but I would not eat it horizontally. <laughs> right. I love it. Yes. Nor make sure would you... I take three segments of a national broadcast to do it. Who eats a banana sideways? Like it, whatever. All right. <clears throat> um, all right. So that does it for um, the bulk of our show. Now let's get into how you can contact us. Um, if you would like to hit us up on email, please do so at pigskinsandpageantry at gmail.com. You can check us out at Facebook at facebook.com slash pigskinsandpageantry. We are on Twitter at PPSEC Podcast and also Instagram at pigskinsandpageantry. Uh, don't forget we are available for download on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and most other podcasting apps for iPhone, Android, and other operating systems. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and review. We'd appreciate a five-star to help visibility and let everybody know how awesome we are. 
So, uh, yeah, that does it for this week's episode. This is Wes. Until next time, go dogs. As always, avoid eating your brown bananas. Just put them in banana bread. Let's just agree to do that from here on out, guys. Um, Real tide. Jesse, you need to stop telling people how to live their life. Guys, let's beat Pitt this week. Let's get a win for, uh, for Johnny Majors. Go Vols.